Welcome to Radioactive Summer Break, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, and punk rock farmers. I'm Laura Jones, and joining me remotely, we have Al Dynstrick, 9 KRCL's punk rock farmer. Hey, Al, how's your garden growing? It's growing good, despite the uh, heat wave. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Are we going to get tips on that tonight in your Urban Farm Report? I think we'll hear a little bit about that. James uh, James Loomis, was. I talked to him, and... Uh, Things are growing really well over there, and we have some tips and how to be water-wise and just, you know, how to take care of the plants and what they need during this drought season we have here. Yeah, some tips from the pros. Do you know what's starting on the 26th, besides being two days after Pioneer Day, Al? We have an international monarch butterfly monitoring blitz that folks can take part in. Gotta love that. Uh, isn't Rachel Taylor with us tonight on the show? Yep, we're going to talk and with Rachel. And I've got Skywatcher Leo T lined up with another uh, Many Cultures One Sky report. You know there is a billionaire space race going on, Al. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Billionaires At least in somebody space. gets to go and play and have fun. <laughs> I mean, I think you got way too much money and time on your hands if you can float in space. So anyway, <laughs> I don't know. That's like a whole other topic. Um, also want to mention a few events coming up, so stick around for that. But let's start where we always start. We got some fresh and homegrown music. Another album that we missed because of COVID with our featured band tonight, Al. Yeah, Steve from Dark Lord is with us. And they're a heavy, heavy, heavy metal band here from Salt Lake City. And uh, even got to play some shows with them. It was pretty cool. We played the Ranch Benefit a while back. Uh, where they had a bunch of skateboards and really cool it was really cool we were up in this little crow's nest and we all rocked out that night it was a great night i had fun that night steve yeah we had a great time i think one of the best things when kevin came crowd surfing into the shop there you know that was that was awesome that was a uh, yeah kevin's a great guy and we that's not our first time playing uh, rock, uh sorry heavy metal shop so yeah 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 love to do it anytime so who's in Dark Lord? Tell us about the band. So uh, Gunnar Bandura is our singer and guitar player. And then uh, Zach Kelly, I like to call him Zach Mild. He's on uh, lead guitar and Bruja on bass, and I'm playing the drums. How long you guys been together? Six years. We're going to have six years in August. So you recorded this album, put it out right before COVID. You've kind of been sitting on it. It's Magic Realms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, re we recorded with Andy uh patterson the the one and only the wizard so he did a great job and uh you know uh been sitting on a little while um i'm proud to, i'm proud to i'm proud of it i think it's a good work that's always nice i'm i, <laughs> I when you're proud of something that you put out it's a uh, big plus <laughs> yeah yeah i've i've i put out things that i've been like well we could have done that better <laughs> But for constraints of time or money, mostly money, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. But when you're when you're producing everything yourself, you 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 always have to take that in consideration. But uh, you know, I think it's good. I like I like the artwork on the album a lot. Um, I like the look of it. I think it's a colorful. It's a. I think it's an attractive. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. It's, and we're all over the place. It's it's um it's not just one thing. We're uh we're kind of exploring some different areas. Not just all the, you know, the same type of music throughout it. So, cool. Very yeah. good. Set up this first one for us. What do we got? Uh, Raised by Wolves? Yep. 
So Raised by Wolves, I wrote in a tribute to uh, a good near friend of mine named Chris Drellinger, who uh, passed away a few years ago. I played in a band with him called Year of the Wolf and um, uh, miss him and love him. And uh, it's kind of, um, I wrote it in tribute not only to him, but the punk rock community here in Salt Lake that uh, kind of um, it's, I've been proud to be a, a member of it since the eighties. And um, I just felt like uh, they were raised by wolves. Very cool. This is Raised by Wolves from Dark Lord, fresh and homegrown, right here on CareCL 90.9 FM.
Welcome back to the Radioactive Summer Break. I'm Laura Jones. Aldine Kerr, Seals Punk Rock Farmer, he is here tonight. But first, a couple of short interviews I wanted to share. This first one about ticket scammers. Yes, as concert venues come back online, folks, you really got to take measures to protect yourself at the point of sale. So just yesterday, I went out to the new Mid-Valley Performing Arts Center in Taylorsville. It is a thing of beauty. To find out more with Matt Castillo of Salt Lake County Arts and Culture. We are at the beautiful Mid-Valley Performing Arts Center in Taylorsville. Brand new, just starting to host events. And one of the things that I'm sure is on your mind is getting tickets to the people who want to come and experience these things, but then having scammers Mm -hmm. get in the middle of that transaction. Yeah, well, we are so thrilled that um, arts and entertainment events are coming back. Um, We've got so many great things coming up this fall. Um, You know, we run the Mid-Valley Performing Arts Center as well as the Eccles Theater, um, Abravanel Hall, Capitol Theater, and the Rose Wagner Performing Arts Center. Um, And and yeah, we're so excited about all the events coming back. But uh, one of the things we're trying to get the word out about today is making sure that um, ticket buyers and consumers are um, knowledgeable and... um, uh, and aware of how to prevent themselves from being taken advantage of because there's a lot of uh, uh, dis- deceptive and fraudulent ticket sellers out there looking to take advantage of consumers. And when uh, event goers get to one of your facilities and their ticket can't be honored because it's fraudulent, you're the one that deals with that. Right, that's exactly right. And it's one of the most heartbreaking things that happens. Um, and it does happen more often than you might think where someone has bought a fraudulent ticket um, or a duplicate ticket and they come and there's already someone in their seat and there's not much we can do for them at that point. Um, and so again, the, the best defense is for people to be educated and, and aware of how they can avoid buying uh fraudulent tickets. Matt Castillo, Salt Lake County Arts and Culture. I spoke with him yesterday at the new Mid-Valley Performing Arts Center in Taylorsville. Your tax dollars at work, folks. Also there to get the word out was Crystal Young Otterstrom, Executive Director of the Utah Cultural Alliance. And yesterday, the Alliance launched a new free resource to get us educated on how to avoid ticket fraud and associated scams. Here's Crystal. Ticket scams were something we saw all the time before COVID and they are back in flying numbers again today. And it's so hard as a consumer to know, am I on the actual website of Red Beer or USANA or Utah Symphony or Deer Valley, or am I on a scammer site? Um, A story just this week, uh, the Temptations is sold out at Utah Symphony, uh, but people were trying to offer what's called speculative ticketing is what we call that in the market, which means you're listing tickets for sale that you don't actually own and you wait to go buy them until someone buys it from you. But since Temptation sold out in about an hour of being online, they are out of luck. And so they have all these tickets that they sold that they couldn't actually get. And so these scammers are listing the Temptations as canceled to cover their butts. And Temptations is not canceled. (laughs) It's just sold out. And that's a scam. Well, and the, you know, live concert venues, they lost millions over COVID. Yeah, so current losses over COVID is $88 million, still down about 22,000 jobs. It went as high as 29,000 jobs. Um, We're also sitting on $17.5 million of ticket liabilities. And so that means tickets sold pre 
COVID that have to be honored in 2021. And so that's uh, seats that can't be sold, new money that can't come in in this calendar year. And so arts and culture and entertainment businesses are still suffering and still need your help, still need your donations and still need you to show up and hopefully show up by coming to primary ticketing websites or authorized ticketing websites, as we like to say, and purchase your tickets that way. And those numbers are Utah numbers or are they national numbers? Those are Utah numbers. That's just Utah. So multiply that by 50 plus. Oh, yes. You know, states, territories, et cetera. And that's also a loss in a state that made a $30 million investment into this industry. And so think about states that didn't have that kind of support from their legislatures with the CARES Act dollars. And we still need help. We're still hoping that the legislature will send some of those ARPA dollars our way. We've been working on them with that they've actually already sent five million dollars this year to this industry and we're very grateful for that but of course more is needed arpa the american rescue plan act thank you uh, there we go for <laughs> folks that are wondering arpa i want to do a whole arpa versus darpa debate to tell you the Ooh, truth there you go so anyway um so you have just launched something that can help people with all of this. We have. So safeticksutah.com is a resource that consumers can go to to get educated on how to avoid ticket scams, what are authorized ticketing sellers. So websites like nowplayingutah.com, arttix.org, uh, ticketmaster.com, those are all places that you can go to that are authorized primary ticket sellers so you're not getting secondary tickets. If a show is sold out, secondary tickets are legitimate um, and you can then go into the secondary market and look for tickets to a show. But what you want to look for is maybe go to places like StubHub that self-polices instead of classifieds or social media. You can also ask the seller for the ticketing you know, barcode and seat information, name information, and you can call uh, the organization or business hosting that event and check to make sure that those tickets are real. Another thing that happens a lot is uh, when venues send PDF tickets, uh, they will send that PDF, sell it to multiple people, and then whoever shows up first is the person who gets the ticket. And so you'll want to avoid buying a PDF ticket from somebody. You'll want to make sure it's a tangible ticket. Um, and not something that can be reproduced. So get educated. A lot of folks think they're dealing with the primary venue and they're not. So what's the website one more time? Uh, SafeTixUtah.com and it's SafeTixUt.com. S-A-F-E? S-A-F-E. T-I-X? T-I-X. U-T? U-T.com. <laughs> Crystal Young Otterstrom of the Utah Cultural Alliance. It's the Industry Association for Arts, Culture, and Entertainment in the state of Utah. Check out tonight's show notes at krcl.org, and you'll find a link to safeticksut.com. And I also wanted to share a quick update on Fish for Garbage, a nonprofit cleaning up Utah's waterways. They're going to work on the green in August, and you can camp out to do it. But first, let's find out how they did last weekend on the Ogden River. Here in this conversation, I'm talking with Lexi Kaili. Yeah, so we had a great turnout for our first cleanup on the Ogden River. We had about 100 volunteers show up, and we pulled um, close to 3,000 pounds out of the river, which was pretty amazing, especially for hosting our first event there. That is a lot of garbage. What are we talking? Can you give me a few items that seem to turn up there? 
Yeah. So lots of tires, uh, lots of um, sofas and couches and furniture, um, and then just just trash. Just people like to go and dump their trash there in in general. So lots of bags of trash, tons of plastic. Um, but yeah, mostly mostly what we saw were tires and metal and big pieces of plastic. We have a couple more cleanups coming up this summer. Let's talk about the one that's happening in mid-August. Get it on people's radar and help them figure out where to sign up. Yes, so uh, you can sign up for our cleanups and on our website at fishforgarbage.org. And we have our next month cleanup on August 14th. Um, that's going to be on the Green River. And we do that in partnership with Groga, which is the Green River Guides and Outfitters Association. Uh, we'll be camping over the weekend and uh, we'll be meeting up at Dutch John just below Flaming Gorge Dam. So is it going to cost us anything to participate uh, with the camping and everything? What should we expect? Yeah, so there's there's so many different options for camping. Um, there's lots of BLM land that you could use if you want to just come and pitch a tent or park a car. Um, there's also uh, campgrounds that have nice picnic tables and fire rings, that sort of thing. So uh, there's something for everyone. And we just encourage everyone to come out and have a, a great weekend of fishing and good times. We'll have casting competitions, free shuttles. Um, yeah, we're just excited to to bring everyone together again. So we'll put a link in the show notes for where folks can register. You got to sign a waiver and all of that. But what happens on Saturday, August 14th down in Dutch John? Because it's not just a cleanup. There's lots of stuff happening for this one. Yes. So we'll launch our boats, rafts, any flotation device you have and want to bring um, anywhere between 730 and 10 a.m. at the spillway boat launch, which is just below the Flaming Gorge Dam. We'll float and clean up uh, basically all day. From three to seven, we'll have a casting competition. Um, and then at 6 p.m., we'll have a free barbecue style dinner provided by Groga and you went to the brewery. And that's going to be at Dripping Springs Campground. We'll also have awards and prizes um, at the campground at 7 p.m. And then at 8 p.m., we'll have an after party around the campfire. And I hear tale that you might have a few spots at your camping site at Dripping Springs if people act fast. Yes, if you act fast, feel free to email us at info at fishforgarbage.org. Uh, we have about eight car spa eight spaces for cars available still and uh, roughly 40 people. In the meantime, anytime you're out on the water, any body of water uh, in Utah throughout the summer, you want people to fill the net. Yes, absolutely. So we, we want to make sure that the message and the awareness goes beyond our cleanups. So this is just a way for us to bring a bunch of people together, find a targeted area that needs some, some TLC and to host an event um, to remove a large amount of trash. But as you know, um, every day, it doesn't matter where you're walking around in your neighborhood, down to the park, um, you know, on your way to the bus stop or around your workplace, whatever it is there, is, there is trash to be found and removed from all of those areas. And we just encourage everyone to do that um, on their day to day and just incorporate that into your daily routine. Lexi, thank you so much for giving us an update and for casting ahead for your next cleanup, which is on part of the Green River with Groga, the Green River Outfitters and Guides Association. Thanks so much for all you do to clean up Utah. Thank you so much for having us. Skywatcher Leo T here. Look up, look around, and get a little bit lost in space. As we look up in the orange fire-tinged sunset and dusk, there are always treats to discover. Even in the smoke and haze, you can see the moon growing from a crescent to a half and rising higher to the left every night. A couple of nights ago, we were lucky enough on the 11th to look out and see the crescent moon hanging low with Venus just to the right, like a Turkish flag, very surreal. 
and then later in the dark Mars, half of a degree from it like cosmic cue balls. And as the sky evolves to dark, wheel around to the south and slightly east for Scorpio. Yes, I've been mentioning that. Uh, there are other treasures to uncover, though, in the tail of the Scorpion above the horizon. Follow the curve from the pulsing big orange Antares toward the horizon. Look for two bright stars close together in the tail. These are known as the cat's eyes. Both are blue-white supergiants. Also to the left of the eyes are beautiful, sublime, open clusters with the binoculars. In popular news, you probably heard this, Richard Branson reached space on a test flight for Virgin Galactic before gliding back to Earth and touching down on Sunday. Richard Branson and his staff have been designing, engineering, and testing for decades using an evolving space plane that uses the very solid idea of getting into orbit from a space jet. He has been promoting space tourism as well since the 80s. His goal is to get to space, and now he has as a passenger on a craft in a suborbital lob. Congratulations, Virgin Galactic. And this thought for your consideration, though, let's keep an eye on these ventures and others such as SpaceX and others launching hundreds of satellites that add to space junk and make it dangerous to navigate in low Earth orbit, or even at times to do deep space telescope work. Taking the Skywatcher spaceship a little further out, NASA's Mars Perseverance rover has been roving around in the Al Jazeera crater, exploring a bit with its companion helicopter taking shots from above. And next week, NASA launches a deep space probe to an asteroid. And in deep space exploration from our home planet, a South African telescope has captured a stunning image of a radio galaxy. Cosmic threads, ribbons, and rings caused by powerful radio emissions from matter falling into a giant black hole at the center of an elliptical galaxy. It's a stunning view of the South African Meerkat telescope data shows as red and orange in the composite view. This is listed on the Skywatcher Leo T Facebook page with other resources for this program. On Skywatcher Leo T, it's one sky, many cultures. This from Anthony Avini's Star Stories book. Crossing the Mediterranean Sea in ancient times was fraught with danger. Reports of extraordinary shipwrecks left coastal dwellers imagining its waters crawling with all manner of hideous creatures, such as the multi-headed winged serpent Leviathan of Hebrew writings and Scylla who patrolled between the Italian peninsula and the island of Sicily. In this myth, a beautiful maiden is transformed into a four-eyed, twelve-tentacled, six-headed, shark-toothed beast. The beast sank ships and devoured their crews. Such stories give the people of African nations quite a fright and a little reason to be terrified. They were aware of Cetus, a gigantic sea monster with the head of a whale, razor-sharp teeth, and the coiled tail of a serpent. Cetus, after being sent to devour Princess Andromeda, was sent to reside peacefully in the southern skies amongst other water constellations like Pisces the fish, Eridanus the river, and Aquarius the water bearer. And speaking of water, it's time for us all to do a little bit of a rain dance, isn't it? Let's get that rain coming down. Bring it on, bring it down. Enjoy the magic. Look up, look around, and get a little lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T on KRCM. Hey, thanks, Leo. Another great report. Yeah, check tonight's show notes. We'll put a link to Skywatcher Leo T's Facebook page. You're listening to the Radioactive Summer Break, the Punk Rock Farmer Friday edition. I'm Laura Jones and Aldine Strychnine joining us in our home casting edition of the show as well. To find out what's going on with KRCL, just go to the website, krcl.org, and you can read up on our move, our new studios, songs of summer, the Radioactive Summer Break. And if you go to rallies and resources under the uh, Community Affairs tab, you'll find out 
about items such as this, and this being, Aldine, you're going to love this, an international monarch monitoring blitz coming up starting on the 26th of July. Joining us to talk about it, we have Rachel Taylor of the Utah Friends of Monarchs. And Rachel, first of all, name change for the organization. Let's get everybody up to date on what's going on. Well, we uh, really, over this last year, had a lot of people from the greater Utah area joined the group. And I, um, we had, you know, we still have an existing great group in Bridgerland up in Cache Valley, um, Monarchs of Bridgerland. But I uh, just wanted to be a little bit more inclusive, trying to get, you know, more people. We had one of our first sightings in Washington County this week from a, a gentleman in Barrel, Barrel, Utah? It's yeah, Barrel. So it's just trying to be a little bit more inclusive. Um, yeah, that, it uh, was Monarchs of the Wasatch Front, as you recall, Al. We've had Rachel on many times. Oh, yeah. You got some milkweed from the station before <laughs> the landscape got ripped out over there on North Temple. I've got some, and I'm trying to do our part to make sure that Monarchs um, have something to eat as they migrate through uh, the Wasatch Front. But this this blitz always catches me by surprise. I never think of it in the high heat of summer, Rachel. So tell us what it's all about and how people can get involved and why it's necessary. Absolutely. So it is the International Monarch Monitoring Blitz, and it is July 23rd. It starts July 23rd for a week, and it includes really Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. And we're just trying to get a handle on what's going on with the population. And, and the reason it's this time is because we are in the height of uh, monarchs everywhere. Once it hits uh, summer solstice, they're settling for the breeding season. And so those that are in Utah now will continue to create additional populations. And so Utah's population will continue to grow until they migrate again in the winter. So how you could participate, the easiest way uh, is there is a free app on iPhone called Monarch SOS. And you, you can see in that option there. In that app, there's an option called Reports, and you go in there to uh, Western Monarch Milkweed Mapper, and that is the device where anytime you see monarchs or milkweed in the week starting July 23rd, take a picture of where it is, post with the, uh, it just walks you right through the questions it's looking for, and uh, let's get some data from throughout the state and, and internationally, actually, so we know what we've got and where we've got it. Rachel, is there any statistics that show the effects of the drought cycle on the monarch? Well, it's been a continual decline uh, since the 80s. But what is drastic since I last spoke to you guys is, you know, the overwintering count along the California coast where we, we are thinking much of Utah's population heads to hang out for the winter so they don't freeze to death dropped from 30,000 the prior year to 1,900 this last winter. And so it's gone from about four and a half million in the 80s down to 1,900 monarchs. And the surprising thing is we've done a real push to get the word out. We've had more than 40 sightings of monarchs throughout the state of Utah so far this year, more than we were reported last year. So people are either paying more attention or, um, it's just very surprising information. That's why we're hoping everybody will take the chance and look around, look for those orange and black guys, get a picture of them and report them. 
Well, you know, when you say that it's been an ongoing um, declination since the 80s, that's also when we saw lots of family farms getting bought up and homes being built on them. That has got to be part of what's been contributing to this decline as well. And I know that you recently taught and have a class online, Saving the Monarchy, One Milkweed at a Time. So give us something to do here, Rachel. Give us some hope. What do we got to do? What you got to do is we, we've got to create habitat, breeding habitat for them. So, you know, we've lost it. We've developed all the open space where the milkweed and the nectar sources were. We need to get that back and get it in not such fragmented spots. So uh, we also need to reduce our chemicals. So those family farms that get bought up by the big ag, um, you know, the decline also coincides with a lot of chemicals that hit the farming and the agricultural market. So, um, you know, as we take care of, of the people, we kind of forget the critters. And so we've got to uh, less pesticides and herbicides, more pollinator plants and include some native milkweed. There's some real pretty ones that don't spread. Um, and let's, yeah, that's, that's our part. Let's just take, uh, we've got to give them some breeding ground. I wonder, if, boy, if we could get some small farms to just plant whole fields of milkweed that'd be cool maybe we should try to do that and yeah, maybe we can start the punk rock farmer milkweed farm what do you think al <laughs> sounds cool to me I, i'm looking at your utah friends of monarchs facebook page and you have a great post about becoming a citizen scientist by reporting sightings in utah and there are a couple of options right because it's not just i saw it you want a little bit more tell us to participate what we need to be prepared to do well, really, to be a citizen scientist, all you have to do is be a person who has a cell phone and you can take a picture of a monarch or a milkweed. And to do that, there, I mean, on our Facebook group, it does list there's a lot of different groups that are collecting data. So we give you some options there. So, um, but the easiest, again, if you've got an iPhone, that Monarch SOS app is free and it is easy and intuitive. Um, if not, uh, you know, we've got a local Utah pollinator partnership that uh, you can just Google that and it'll get you to the website. We have the Western Monarch Milkweed Mapper. Oh, it's a mouthful, but there's that chart that I have on the uh, Facebook page. It's, you're free to join. Um, that gives you some great options. And it really just takes snapping a picture, picture on your phone and walking through just inputting it. And it's super easy. Is it too late to plant anything? Are there starts we can go to the nursery for and ask for and get them in the ground now? Or do we need to really be thinking about what we're going to plant for next spring? No, actually, if you're brave and you can water it in this thousand-year drought, um, you can get native milkweed at the some of the local nurseries. You just want to make sure that you ask them to make sure that it is native. Uh, one is called swamp milkweed. Uh, it's not drought tolerant, but it, it's... Uh, good one the one that we see on the ditch banks you're not going to get into the ground right now that's never it's not for sale but there are some options out there one is a butterfly weed is an option you can get at some of the local nurseries and it has an orange blossom so as long as you can care for it in the middle of july to get it started otherwise plant them in the fall they'll still be some around at the nurseries um, get them in in the fall let those roots get started otherwise we can help you out in the spring with seeds and seedlings yeah, I saw you guys had a giveaway. Tracy Aviary or something like that had some that they collected that were just available uh, through the Facebook page to your group. So being 
a member of this Facebook group, which doesn't cost you anything, you get a lot of insight and inside news, Rachel. Absolutely. And actually, we held it uh, north of the aviary, but it was a private donor that I had that gave us about 1,200 gallon-sized plants that we gave away. Oh, man, I uh, missed it by that much, Al. <laughs> no worries. And there's also on this Facebook page, folks that are listening, Utah friend, uh, Utah Friends of Monarchs, there's lots of planting guides and just a great community around this conversation. Uh, lots of tips, uh, lists of plants, etc. Um, what else is coming up for, for Utah Friends of Monarchs down the road this year? Anything you want to highlight, Rachel? Yeah, we'll be tagging Monarchs starting mid-August. And so people think that sounds pretty crazy, but you can now's the time to request your tags through southwestmonarchstudy.org, swmonarchs.org. And you can actually get tags that are, they're all have, uh, they all have individual identifiers on them. And starting in mid-August, we whatever we run across a monarch that we can actually net and tag, it's a great thing to collect data. We actually netted, we actually tagged one in American Fork uh, two years ago, and it was found six months later in Pismo Beach, California, where it was overwintering. Same tag, so, so they report the number back to the tagger, and uh, it's pretty incredible information, but. So if you want to get involved with tagging, that's what's coming up next. Right now, again, like I mentioned, we're in the heart of the season where the, the little population we have right now will grow exponentially, if you will, just because they're gonna, we'll have another couple of generations before they migrate, migrate out of here. Al, and I want to see you tag a monarch. That'd be really cool. Um, isn't it, it, is, is it that um, you have to tag them at a certain time, right? Before they make the, the long journey. Is that is that correct, Rachel? It's, it's the generation that's the critical part. So the generation that is born after, say, mid-August does not have that instinct to become a breeding generation. They know that they are the generation that is to save the species. They have to get to somewhere colder. I mean, excuse me, that they'll be warm enough for the winter to not freeze them. So they had to either Mexico or California. And so we only tag the newborns, newborn adult butterflies after, you know, mid-August to catch uh -huh. that. And they are the ones that live nine months where the rest live three to five weeks. Right. Wow. So there's some training, I understand, coming up, too, for how to tag a butterfly. Because I remember as a kid, it was don't touch their wings. So it's a very, it's a very delicate thing, I understand. Yeah. Uh, come and join the group, the uh, Utah Friends of Monarchs on Facebook. And we'll, we'll definitely, uh, if we can get some live ones here that we can tag, uh, we'll set up something so that people can learn. Otherwise, we can. there's a video on Southwest Monarch monarchs.org uh, their website has a little training video it's just a matter of grasping them gently and putting the tag in the appropriate cell on their wing so that it doesn't affect them because it's surprising you put that tag on open your hand and they fly off like a bullet no impact at all if you get it in the right spot thanks so much rachel for coming on again uh, how can people find you guys they, you can definitely find us on facebook uh, Utah Friends of Monarchs, or if you want to email me directly, monarchsinutah at gmail.com. We'll put all of that in the show notes. Thanks, Rachel. See you soon, guys. Thank you. So it's time to get some more music, Al. But before that, you know, we, we've lost some folks over the last year or so. 
some related to COVID, some not. And a music engineer, musician that folks uh, in the scene probably know, Herc. Rock at Remember Herc is happening on Sunday at Garage on Beck. Yeah, Herc Ottenheimer. He passed away in January. Dear friend, for many years, God, I recorded five or six projects there at Herc's living room studio. We're going to we're going to commemorate his, you know, all the great stuff that he did and all the musicians that he touched. There's a there's quite a few musicians, uh, bands playing and people will show up to jam. Uh, we start around six thirty and I think we go to about nine thirty. Uh, folks are encouraged to come and say a little piece, something, you know, a memory they have of Herc. And, and uh, bring your guitar. Uh, there'll be a whole back line set up. But we'll, we're going to rock out. We'll put details in the show notes. In the meantime, let's get back to our featured band tonight. Steve is here from Dark Lord. What are we hearing next, Al? Uh, looks like we got Rise and Demise on the on the turntable here. How about uh, give us a little background on that one, Steve? Rise and Demise is kind of my... Um commentary of the, the rise and fall of civilization it's kind of circular in my opinion you know kind of uh how uh, civilization rises and and then crumbles from within where you know it's own, you know and i don't know if that's where we're headed or what it's just it was just a thought of just a commentary of you know i don't know sounds pretty <laughs> sounds pretty good sounds pertinent with the uh apocalypse heat way we have now <laughs> maybe uh, yeah 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 i like well where, i like it maybe that's where we're headed yeah i like a good dystopian story you know so uh it's just what i was thinking at the moment yeah <laughs> very good rise and demise off of magic realms dark lord's new album fresh and homegrown on carcl 90.9 fm
Welcome back to Radioactive Summer Break, the Punk Rock Farmer Friday edition. I'm Laura Jones, and Al Dynstrick 9, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer, is with us. Al, it's time for your Urban Farm Report. Earlier this week, in the morning to beat the heat, I went down to talk to James Loomis at the Green Phoenix Farm. And he had some good tips on keeping your plants happy during the drought and hot weather and all this heat wave that we're having. Here's that conversation with James. So I'm here at the Green Phoenix Farm. This is Al the Punk Rock Farmer, and I'm here with James Loomis, and he's the head honcho here. James, the I think the two main words are heat, drought, maybe three, water. Yeah. And... Or lack thereof. And lack thereof. And so what can we do... What can we do to keep our plants happy and which ones are most affected? Oh, I mean, they're all affected with this just level of ruthless, unrelenting heat. And uh, I mean, of course, drought or no drought, you've got to keep your plants alive. Um, And so that comes from really smart, judicious watering, mulching, helping those plants make sure that they're shading the soil and uh you know what for those of us growing food crops get rid of that lawn you know hopefully you're you know guess what my landscape is fine do you know what i mean like i don't have to water it it's fine i can put that water into my garden which is way less than it takes to water a lawn so right um sun itself unrelenting always here in utah uh, shade cloths are we using it on yeah i mean a, a lot of us like to use shade cloth over our peppers and tomatoes to prevent sunburn i mean using a little bit of shade cloth is going to help cut down on that that need for water because it's just going to cool that area you know i noticed that i i we had some 100 degree days in june and i didn't have shade cloth up and i watered and it was dry as a bone by the end of the day the next day i put shade cloth up and the next day it watered and the ground was still wet underneath the shade cloth at the end of the day nice Duh. smart, smart. <laughs> and you know if you get the shade cloth up high enough it shades your ass too <laughs> very good and then uh you know drought year uh, can we water, uh, are folks watering t- too much maybe? Or what? how can you tell on that part of it? I mean, we're trying to conserve water, but we want to keep our stuff alive also, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you look at what our vegetables appreciate, they appreciate evenly moist, well-drained soil. And so depending on what your soil type is, is gonna determine how much you need to water. And so for me, Water the absolute least amount you need to, but not letting that soil really dry out. And I think one area that I think folks tend to overwater when they think they're doing good is this theory of just deep watering. Like I'm gonna water like very infrequently, but give it a lot of water. And what that's just that's just pushing water through the soil, maybe not being there where the plants can use it. And then those plants get drought stressed in between those mega watering events. So I, I've heard I we had a lady on the show a while back, and she said if you water more than eight minutes, it's runoff anyways. It's not even it's going away really, or it's kind of this isn't a lawn lawn instance, but uh, yeah. And so 
and maybe infrequent, like you said, uh, maybe space it out a little bit. But I know that plants they they like a schedule too, though. They if you don't if you start watering totally different, they don't like that. I I I water everything is on drip, and I water every single day for for the right amount of time. Right? If you're seeing puddling, if you're seeing stuff running off, yeah, you're 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 obviously watering too much. And it's also easy to kind of calculate, you know, sometimes when we have drip, we can't really see how much water is going in. Uh -huh. And so sometimes I'll put a little pan or a saucer to catch, to catch. Yeah. So if I know, okay, you know, these plants are going to appreciate an inch of water a week and I'm watering every day. Okay. I should see an eighth of an inch of water in that, in uh -huh. that little pan. Uh -huh. so. What about, um, there's a, there's a tomato variety that's, uh, bred here in Utah by a scientist at the university. Have you ever grown that one? Uh, you're talking Hamsung about the Hanson's DX, DX. Yeah, 5200. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's got some super like tag on some digits and make it sound official. Uh, you know, I've, I've grown that one and what's what's unique about that uh, tomato is that it will it will set fruit in, in our high temperatures and that becomes a challenge for for growers and you know, for me, I'm on the side of the fence. I like to get my tomatoes in early. early. Some people won't put them out until those nighttime temperatures are reliably above 50. Right. I would much prefer to get mine out under undercover, under, under cover. a low tunnel in April. If you look at my tomatoes, they are loaded with fruit right now. And if you didn't put your tomatoes in until it was only 50, Guess what? You were then smacked with hundred degree temps, and I bet your plants are struggling. I have few, a few green fruits, uh, but not a ton like you do. So, because I waited a little bit, I listened to the other side of the spectrum this time. But um, you so know what, when Al, you can I pause you right there? Yeah. On that thought because it's also not, it's not about who's right or wrong because you're kind of gambling either way. You you, you know what I mean and. All, as, as gardeners, that's like one of the reasons I like just planting a bunch of different things, throw a bunch of different varieties at it, and just hedge your bets all the time. Right. So when when you plant early under under um, a low tunnel or whatnot, uh, you're planting starts under starts under a. Yeah. Yep. Tran transplanting seedlings out, um, and I've often grown those in a protected environment to where they're about as large as is appropriate you don't uh -huh. want to go too big because uh -huh. then those plants are going to be shocked but man if uh it's it's if, if if i i really like to get my tomatoes out third week of april if i can so you're starting them a little bit certain ones to do that with a little bit earlier than yep. than what yeah. most people do yep yep and i've found that magical um if you want to grow them in one pot and just have one shot at it, right. it's literally a four or five week old tomato. Uh -huh. You look on that seed packet, it says start six to eight weeks before, before. planting outside. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You're going to need to pot it up two or three times. Right, right. And you yeah. don't want to work and do that. I don't want to work and do all that. I, yeah. so, so, I, so I go late now. And uh, I think in about four weeks, I can grow a decent sized plant, like eight inches tall. Yeah, and even you know indoors, whatever starting and and uh, just be fine. So that's cool. That's good info. You went to the Colorado River. Is that affected by drought this year? Well, you know, <laughs> so yeah, we just got done rafting the Grand Canyon, which was 
epic way to commune with the planet, let me tell you. Uh, but fortunately, or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, there is scheduled daily dam releases out of Lake Powell. So I really hope we weren't some of the last people to run the Grand Canyon uh, over uh, the next foreseeable future because... Uh, because of the drought is yeah, what Lake, you're talking about. Yeah, Lake Powell about. has uh, less than one year worth of water at the flows they have to put it out at. Uh, right now we, 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 ran the, we ran the Green River um, over Memorial Day and the Yampa that flows into the green is done. It's like not really? flowing. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's dried up. It's tough, you know. And, you know, what, I mean, what are you going to do? It's a changing, it's a changing environment, man. We've like, when I was, you know, when I was in high school, they're like, oh man, in 20 or 30 years, man, it's going to be like crazy climate change and la da da weather events and drought and whatever. Right. And guess what, man, it's that here. was like 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. And, 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 but, you know, look at how life on the planet works man you either adapt or you go away right and and, and I, I think that's the same for, for for all of our growers here is i mean i don't have time to whine about it i have time to like notice it strategize and adapt and that might mean you know changing the types of plants that you grow paying attention to which cultivars are doing really good adapting to new insect and pest pressures doing what you can to modify your environment with shade cloth and the way that you irrigate. Um, I think a huge part of it too is your soil health. So here at the Green Phoenix, we are our soil organic matter on our latest test is 9%. So you wanna hold water and make healthy plants, you need healthy soil. You know, so. And draining, and and that's the, the just the consistency of it, and that is a big big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, with, you know, that's also some people are on different schools of thought. You know, once you you know a lot of agricultural universities will say, oh my gosh, once you get like four or five percent, don't add any compost or anything. But you know, my my nutrients are balanced. I have salinity that is not even measurable which is incredibly rare for in here area. in our area yeah, yeah yeah and so um and the best good ways to check that check that or do the soil test in usu or to make sure you make sure you know where you're starting from yeah yeah i i really like uh um peaceful valley farm supply they they strictly work with organic growers so i think they have the most understanding of what we're going for in organics and again stuff we talk about man it's not like what i say is the way it is i'm just telling you what works for me and right as as you look around you can see stuff it's working it's working good <laughs> so, it's working really well yeah yeah well thanks james i appreciate you talking for a minute today and you know keeping people informed and uh, like i said we're moving the station so we haven't really had live stuff and so uh new content is really good and i think this was really pertinent and great to have well it's always a pleasure to speak with you al i uh always appreciate your insights as well i feel like i learn something new every time we hang out ah that makes me feel good <laughs> thanks yep james loomis from the green phoenix farm we'll put the link in the show notes and you can catch up with him down there and that's a wrap to our show. I want to say thank you to everyone who was on tonight. And we'll put in the show notes links to 
all those tips and organizations for uh, Green Phoenix Farm, but also Utah Friends of Monarchs and, of course, Skywatcher Leo T. And our featured band tonight, Dark Lord Steve Lefevre, is with us. Uh, thanks for sharing your music with us tonight. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, love your program. You know, uh, you guys are awesome. I really appreciate you. You know, one of the things that I don't think uh, people would equate with uh, Dark Lord metal band is the brief work you do by day. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to shout out The Road Home and its good works in our community. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I've been with The Road Home for going on 11 years. And uh, we just, I work with a great group of people who uh, I believe in the cause, they believe in the cause, and we're just kind of trying to change lives, save lives, and uh, get people uh, off the streets and into housing. You, the Road Home runs the men's shelter in South Salt Lake and the Gail Miller Women's Shelter in Salt Lake City. And you guys always have needs. What can our listeners do to help out the Road Home and the people you help? Sure, sure. Yeah, we have the Men's Resource Center, like you said, and the Gail Miller, which is mixed for men and women. And then we have the Midvale Family Center. Um, and so what we mostly need are, um, are socks, underwear, um, you know, uh, things like that, things that you would um if you if you were life was in chaos and um you, you didn't have it and uh we, we, you know that's what we need the basic things so um deodorant shampoo soap toothpaste always you know yeah we can always use always use that stuff all right we'll put a link in the show notes so folks can uh, do their bit to help out the road home and the folks who are transitioning through homelessness uh, Al, it's so great when I hear of the good things that musicians in our community are up to, either uh, by what they do for a living or the causes that they support or like getting together to remember Herc on Sunday at the garage. Yeah, from like Rock Against Reagan, Food Not Bombs. Uh, you know, there's so many things that uh, musicians get involved in that help to build the community here in Salt Lake and really proud to be one of those musicians here in town. All right, so one more from Dark Lord then, Al? Hey, Steve, will you tell us a little bit about uh, Falling on the Blade, the next song we're going to play? Sure, sure. So I'm a big fan of, um, like, samurai movies and such. And um, when, uh, you know, the, uh, when the one individual is met with a, a choice that, that, they can, that, that has to be made, and that is to hold the sword out in front of them and, and take their own life with, the, with dignity and falling on the blade, I just kind of, that is a... Uh, is that that imagery to me is is really powerful to you know to, for an individual to choose that to do that so i wanted to put that to music what i felt you know off of magic realms from dark lord this is falling on the blade fresh and homegrown at krcl 90.9 fm 